This morning, we're in part four, finishing up a series on relationships. I thought it was fitting for Labor Day weekend that we would talk about our work relationships and how we labor and what that means to the Lord. And then next weekend, I'm so excited, we kick off a new series on prayer based on the movie uh, War Room. But this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles over to Colossians chapter 3. It's a great passage there from the Apostle Paul. I'll get there in a few moments. You know, Labor Day, I can remember growing up in the 60s and 70s going to school, and I can remember a time when we didn't go back to school to after Labor Day, and that was awesome. I know you students are like, man, you must be old as dirt. Like, man, we've been in school for a month. And then they just kept moving it up, moving it up. And if you're a teacher, you know, you always ask teachers, like, man, what do you like about teaching? They go, man, I love students and change. And then they go, and then I love June, July, and August. But, you know, that didn't work anymore. Now they get a couple months, and then they have workshops. So it's like, wow, they just work all the time and work all the time. But Labor Day, it started like in 1882 in New York City, and 20,000 workers were carrying these banners through the city of New York, and it would say, labor creates wealth, because labor was a good thing, and they wanted to celebrate that. And, you know, we, we learn, and they teach us this, but I don't think we do it very good. It says, like, you know, there's 24 hours in a day, and of course, we all would agree on that, but there's eight hours for work, there's eight hours for sleep, and there's eight hours for all the other things that we need to do. Well, yeah, in a perfect world, that'd be ideal. I mean, does that work for anybody in here? Yeah, probably not. You're like, man, eight, how about like 16 hours a day or 12 hours a day or like, and some of you are like, man, how about working two hours a day? I don't know. If you're doing that, you need to hear this. But anyway, this idea of Labor Day spread all across the country and then Congress enacted that in um, 1894. And they said, okay, we're going to make this a federal holiday. So we're so far away from that. And so when we think Labor Day today as Americans, what do we think? We think time off, hopefully, barbecue transition from summer into fall and I know you girls are like I can't wear white anymore after Labor Day I never understood all that like you know just wear white you know whatever but uh, or whatever the colors are like I know so you, you, you just go through this thing but the, the big thing about Labor Day it's transition time it, it changes things begin to happen now for us that really moves up to August as I said but this morning it really kind of ushers in this next season of fall how many of you are ready for fall I mean, every girl is because you can't wear, wait to wear boots and all. It's, it's kind of crazy when you wear boots this time of year. It's kind of hot, right, girls? And, and guys don't really understand that, at least you just wear them all the time. But, you know, we labor because God created us to work. A lot of times people go, man, that labor thing, it was all about sin. Well, it did change it. But labor has always been God's idea that when he created the garden, he had things for them to do and that they would work with him effectively. Now, sin entered and things got twisted and maligned and it wasn't so good. But then as we read our Bibles, we know that God loves us so much that he gives us the Sabbath. He gives us the Sabbath principle. He gives us a day of rest. And, and when you violate that continually, you suffer your family suffers, you suffer, you suffer physically and emotionally and spiritually, and the Lord wants us to have a Sabbath. Now, for some of you, a Sabbath might not be Sunday, it might be another day of the week because of your work schedule, and uh, I was just talking to Chris, one of our nurses in, in our church, and he just got off just a couple of hours ago, and he came straight here. So, so I know I keep him awake on Sunday morning. Yeah, right, whatever. So this whole thing, the activity of work, Work is good. How many of you like it when you work, the result of what comes from work? How many like what comes from work? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good feeling. Uh, 
I know when you work in your yard or you labor around the house and you do physical exertion, and, and from that you can't wait to rest, but you, you can see tangible things. And then we go to the, our office or we go to school or we go to places to work. That's good. And good things come from that many times, and sometimes it doesn't. But as I look at it this morning, I want you to look at the first thought. There's four thoughts I'm going to give you about work. They're kind of simple, but I think they're good. When we work, we get to be like God. You know, God has called us to conform to the image of his son Jesus, to look like Christ, we're to be many Christ, we're to have Christ reflecting his life, expressing his life through each of us. And, and this whole thing is, so God created a theology of work, and you can read Genesis 2 and following, and you begin to see God's uh, uh, mindset, how God you know, took and formed man of the dust from the ground, he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, he planted a garden, and in the garden there of Eden, things were perfect, but there was things for them to do, and it was really good. And then he says, in the language it says, and then to cultivate it. Now, the word cultivate, if you look at it in the Hebrew, it really means to work, it means to serve, it means to come alongside. So it's a good thing that God's created for us to bring work, to bring labor to that which we do that's meaningful. And we all probably enjoy meaningful work at some time, maybe a lot of meaningful work. Students, got a lot of students here. You know, that's what I pray that you'll find in your life. Don't go looking for number one, I just want a big paycheck. If you just go looking for a big paycheck, I'll promise you one thing, misery. God has created you to be fulfilled out of the work you do. I, I remember my dad as a non-Christian, he came to Christ later in life, but I still remember principally he said, son, you need to enjoy what you do because you're going to spend most of your life and so much of your time there. So why be miserable and make everybody else miserable by those things you do? And so you begin to set out and say, God, what is it that I could do? What? And, and then I know sometimes things are hard, and, and, and that's why they call it W-O-R-K, okay? It, it is work. But I, I, I beg you as students, as young people that are looking on this side, looking for a profession, looking for a vocation, I pray that you'll find that that will bring meaning and honor and fulfillment and joy and glory to the Lord. And the church said, I mean, you know, why do you want to have a job that's like, well, you know, like I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, I was always working with teenagers. And I remember this one time this kid came to me, really sharp kid. And he, I said, what do you want to do? He goes, I just want to make a lot of money. That's all I care about. Really? I mean, that's all you care about. He goes, I just want stuff. That's all I care about. And I have followed that young man, and it hasn't worked very well for him. He went off and got a finance degree because he wanted to make money. He was a stockbroker for a season, and then the, when the economy tanked in 2008 or there about the recession, he was one of those guys that got out. <laughs> and just, I've just kind of followed his life. I'm like, that was your goal, to make money. And of course, there are a lot of people that make money and they're happy, and a lot of people that make money and they're greedy and they're miserable and nothing wrong with work. But it, see if you can finish this. I owe, I owe, off. Oh, you heard that, have you? I owe, I owe, off to work I go. You know, and if that's all you're thinking about, I am a slave to my lender. I am indebted. I am so broke that I'm broke of being broke, and I got to get up and I got to rise up and go to the place called work and labor and hate it and then come home and make everybody in my house miserable and then tomorrow I'll get up and I'll do it again. How many want to sign up for 40 years of that? I didn't think so. And I understand some of you in this church work two and three jobs. Some of you have some very difficult situations and you don't get a lot of rest so when you see Sabbath you're like, wow, 
wow, man, Sabbath, that's for everybody else. No, Sabbath is for you. It might look a little different, but I'd encourage you, and that's not the, the heart of today. It's really to talk about work. I, I looked at one poet, said 43% of all office workers say they're dissatisfied with their job. I looked at the nation of Japan, they go, only 17% of them said they enjoy their work. And I didn't see the Chinese report, I can imagine it's probably maybe even lower, but basically when sin enters into any situation, any relationship, things get twisted, they get distorted, and we don't remember that for which we're created for, to love God, to work, to serve his purposes as a divine king. There is a, a term I learned many years ago, it's called the deist theology. And the deists are the people, Benjamin Franklin was a deist, and they said, our God is a watchmaker God. He winds the clock up, and he just sets you off, and you just do that which you want to do. I don't have that kind of theology. I believe my God wants to be intimately involved in your and my life and our affairs, and he wants to govern, and he wants to invite, and he wants to infuse life, and he wants us to be partakers with him, and that God is incredibly interested in you. How many believe that today? I do. I ask him for direction and for guidance and wisdom, and I'm praying that you're asking God for that. Because God is not just, I mean, that'd be kind of cruel. I just wind up the clock, just do what you want. Not good. Let me give you a verse, John 5, 17. I love this passage. Jesus is speaking, and he replies, and when he makes this comment, he says, My Father is always working, always, continually, and so am I. And I look at that verse, and I go, Jesus is not lazy, neither is the Father. He created work for our good, and Jesus works, and so does our Father, and he does that which he sees his Father doing. And I think, man, this labor idea, it's from God. Let's move on. I want you to see the second one. We work to get a paycheck, but we work to serve others. We work and we serve the needs of others. We talk a lot about service because it's John 13. Jesus took a towel and a basin and he washed the feet of the disciples. Jesus has always about been serving the needs of humanity in the world and for us to be a part of that. But here's, here's the thing. In some jobs, they're more tangible and you see that which you create that which you labor and do and others not so much but they do affect sometimes in administration you see the results of it or you're in your cubicle and you're crunching numbers and you go i don't really understand how this is really serving any purposes but ultimately there's reports and things happen and decisions are made and it does make a difference but let's say you're a plumber and you've got a clogged toilet and you invite a plumber over at about 95 dollars an hour or nine thousand dollars an hour whatever it is and they come and they unclog your toilet. You don't go, I don't know what he or she was doing. You're like, man, the toilet works. One time here at the church, we had an electrical problem. We'd spent about $200,000 on electrical work when we built the church. So I called the electrician that did this thing, and I thought, well, you know, he, he remembers us. He got a good payday. And he came in, and he spent, I'm not lying, he spent seven minutes here. Seven minutes. He sent a bill for $450. I was livid. What? What? I called him. I go, what is, what is wrong with you? $450. You were on the site seven minutes. And he made this comment to me. He says, Pastor, I knew what I was doing. I knew which switch and what to flip. So therefore, your bill will be $450. 
And me being so like Jesus, I did hang up. But I walked down the hall murmuring, and I said, I will never, ever, ever, as long as I live, call him again to come on this site. And he's never been back. I mean, do y'all see something wrong with that? I just thought, wow, seven minutes. I'd like to have a job every seven minutes, $450, $450. Of course, he's thinking, hey, but, you know, y'all could have stood there all year in the dark. I don't really care, you know. I got you in the light. Yeah, he's right. Okay, so teachers. I love what teachers do. They don't always see, but they do. They, they teach and shape young minds and university students and grad students. And as a result of that, they become productive in society and they accomplish great things. Man, I love that. So all work is about service. Let me give you a, a passage here, Matthew 20, 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It, it uses the word serve, and I think we could even throw in the word, the word work. Jesus came to what? To work. Jesus came to labor. And he labored well for the salvation of man. We sang about that beautifully this morning. I, I love that. He, Jesus worked. How did Jesus work? He had a completed, finished work at the cross, and he purchased our salvation, which we couldn't purchase, by an innocent, perfect, beautiful, blameless life that could atone, that could cover your sin and my sin. So the finished work of Christ is enough, it's sufficient. He's supreme and we're not, we fall short. I love that. So it's interesting. We, we use the word a lot of times, vocation. In, in the Latin, I, I believe the word is uh, vocari. And a lot of times we go, what is your vocation? But in the early days when they said, what is your vocation? I love this. I want you to write this down somewhere. They, they were saying this in early days. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? See, today we go, my vocation is this, my vocation is that, I make this, I do that, blah, 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 blah. But when you think, this is what God's called me to do. As a pastor, we have a big thing about our calling, and we go, we have a calling from the Lord as ministers of the gospel. We sense that God has spoken directly to us. He has is, he is impressed upon our hearts. He has burdened our hearts. He's given us a calling to follow him to serve the people of God. It's a calling. I believe it's an irrevocable calling. It's awesome. But calling's just not for ministers. Calling is for you. God has called you to be a lawyer. He has called you to be a mom. He has called you to be a teacher. He has called you to be an electrician. He has called you to be a salesperson. He has called you. How many of you believe when you begin to look at it that way, it kind of shapes things up? He's called Coach Davis to be a basketball coach. I love it. It's very obvious. He's passionate about the game. If you don't think so, go watch him this year. And when you leave there, you'll go, I think when Coach Dan gets passion, he's going to be a coach. Well, don't tell him that. He'll throw his coat. He'll throw stuff. He, he'll jump up and do herkies in Jesus' name. It's awesome to watch this guy. Martin Luther, the great theologian, I like what he said. He was a shoemaker. He says, and when I make shoes, I've determined to do one thing. I make shoes for the glory of God. But I do it for the glory of the Master. Making shoes, he was a cobbler. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from Chicago, a shoe guy. <laughs> and God took him to just change and transform people. I love this. So God, would you all agree with me? God has gifted us all differently. And in that difference of gifts, he has called us to what? 
to serve others. God, what is our attitude toward work? I, I read one study, it says 30% engage and they show up and they have extreme focus. I went, man, that's good. It said 52% don't engage and they check their social media and every other means all day long and they're just kind of there, they're just getting a paycheck. And then 18% actively disengage, trying to subvert culture and go as far as they can away from what labor means. And I'm just thinking, and this happens in the Christian force and in the non-Christian world. A lot of times people are like, what is your witness? You work as unto the Lord, not to man. We'll see that passage in a minute. I'm going to get there. And then i, I got to just talk about this for a minute because we have people all ages, a lot of young people, we have older. And people are like, retirement, retirement, retirement. It's really a Western world thing. It's a cool thing. We change it. But here's what I really believe after many years of studying the Scripture. When we retire, we don't quit living. We don't sit on the front porch and rock till Jesus comes. Do we, Zelda? We do other things. We labor. I tell you, I watch people all the time. I can't wait to retire. I'm going to retire. I'm going to do nothing. And if you, you sit in my chair and their wives will go, help me, Jesus. What am I going to do if he's going to do nothing? You know, God's created us to work and to do things. So sometimes we have to relocate. We have to do things. We, we look at this. I want you to write down the word retirement. And then I want you to write down the word rewirement. God wants to rewire us maybe when we step away from our vocation that we've spent all these years laboring and it's taking care of our family and the needs of the church and everybody else. That's awesome. But don't quit living. Rewire. God, help me to become what you want me to be with great joy. Look at the third one. We, we work to produce. When we work, we, we want to see something from it. And God wants to produce righteousness through our life. Producing is necessary. Relationships are better when we produce. It, 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 like, I'll say the most basic thing. If you want to know God, if you really want to know God intimately, and you want to be passionate about your Savior, and you want Christ to be your life and your Lord, and you want Christ to be your leader, and you want to follow Jesus, and you're a Christ follower, and you're all the way, you're all in, you know what it's going to take? W-O-R-K. Work. Now, we don't earn anything. Here's what I've learned. I've been following Jesus since 1978. And I've read and read and studied and read and studied and read and read. And this morning I was in 2 Timothy. I, was read, I read it all the time because there's so much work for God to do in me and in my heart. And I have to work at being a Christian leader, a follower. And so do you. And it just doesn't go. I mean, I tried it one time. I put it under my pillow. Osmosis didn't work. I just wanted it. I said, God, if I sleep on it. I had a friend one time, he goes, I'm in the Word all the time. Eight hours a day, I went, man, you are spiritual. And then he goes, well, I named my bed the Word. I mean, oh, you're pitiful. And, and all I'm saying, this is not a word of condemnation. But I know your kids are going, hey, man, I got that. Mom, I'm in the Word. I was in the Word, man. I'm in the Word, baby. Yeah, I got it. Me and Jesus. Man, you ain't, you ain't open this. I remember when I took one of these to college. Now, I was not a Christian. I took one to college. My mom, my stepmom had given me the Living Bible. It was really big in the 70s, and it was green. You remember it had that little fake puffy leather? Y'all got those? I mean, they, they, I got one back there, and it's, yeah. But it was the first one I ever had, and I took it to college, and I set it on the shelf, and I remember the night I got born again. I was so radically changed by Jesus. I pulled it off the shelf. And when I picked it up, true story, I went, <gasps> and dust flew everywhere. 
I had not been in that. And I'm just saying, man, spend time in God's Word. This Labor Day weekend, hopefully, some of you are going to have to work, I understand. But sometime, and some of you got some more time off, just spend a little extra time with Jesus. If you want to be a strong Christian, you want to produce in your faith, it's going to take labor. It's going to take work. Prayer life. This Tuesday night, we're having prayer night. I have people all the time, I don't come to prayer night because I'm intimidated. I don't come to prayer night because I don't believe in prayer. They don't, they don't tell me that. They just say that. I don't come to prayer because I'm just inviting you to come. You know how I learned to pray? I prayed with other Christians. I wrote about it in my book, Neology, is that if you want to do something, you learn from others. You do it with them. This war room thing, it's an excellent movie. Go see it. The next series is about prayer. I want to try to build you up and encourage you in your faith. I want us to spur one another on. I want us to grow in our faith pursuits and our prayer activity. I want us to be kingdom-minded. God, come. But look at Colossians. Here it is, chapter 3. Look what Paul says there in verse 23 through 24. Very clear. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is Christ. See, you go to work Tuesday morning and the master is not the person that's the boss or the CEO or the manager or whatever. They have temporary assignment here on earth and they're your supervisor. But your boss is Jesus. You're a Christian. You do it as unto him. You're not a Christian. I still would encourage you to do it unto the Lord. You know, have, uh, yesterday I was watching football. Imagine that. So excited about football. And this guy was talking about the science of football. And he was talking about now, I, I'm just thinking, wow, it would be so hard being an athlete today versus when I was. Because today, when you get to the university level, they study everything you do. They know everything going through your body. They know if you take water breaks. They know if you're slacking. They know if you've grown. Everything's on computers. You know, all these science departments, they're studying all athletes. They know everything about them. Because how many of you, be honest, if you've ever been an athlete, or you knew an athlete, or you wanted to be an athlete, or you just want to lie, how many of you, come on, come on, students. Ty, I know you're here, but I'm fixing to bust you, okay? How many of you, when the coach is watching, man, you were doing it, and the coach went and did something else, you slacked off, raise your hand high. Come on, Coach Davis. Did you never do that at AUM when you were an athlete? Oh, come on, you know you did. You know? But we, you're saying, if the, if the boss is watching, I'm going to work hard. And if they don't, yeah, you go, that's right. And when they're not watching, man, I'm going to slack. Man, that's not, that's not bringing your best. You know what, I just wrote on here, bring your best, bring your game, serve the Lord Christ, lift up Jesus, make it look, you know, be all that you can be for him. Lord, I'm going to do my best work when it comes to you. You know, I, I get to see people all the time in our community, and some of them do amazing work. They, they change culture by the way they produce. True example. I was in a place the other day that I've talked about more than I should, but it's right down the road here on Chantilly. It's Costco. I went the other day, and I go about once a week, sometimes every other week. They, they got this thing down there. It's called a hot dog, and I just go down there and get one. No, actually, no, I, was, I had another trip. I went in a different trip. I didn't get a hot dog that time. Okay. And I went in there, and I had to get this thing. They sent this check to me, so I had to get it cashed. And the lady in front of me, She's not here, okay? I was just looking around. She was losing it, livid. 
And, and, and I'm just standing there like, you know, I don't want to do that. I, I just want to get this thing cash. Like, you know, I just want to go over here. I really want a hot dog, but my wife said no, you know, and like, you know, whatever. And she's getting it. And the lady behind the counter, she was treating her with grace and dignity and honor. And I was just like, wow, that is amazing. And the lady just kept on, she goes, well, praise the Lord. And I went, well, you don't need to be praising the Lord. You were just rude, you know. And, and, and she tried to turn around and look at me like, you and this by yourself, honey. You done screwed up, you know. And uh, she kept on coming. And finally she quit, and then she kind of smiled. I went, ooh, boy, that was bad. And I, I, I grabbed, I didn't grab them. I didn't mean to grab them. I, told, I said, man, y'all are amazing. I love y'all's attitude. Man, y'all are showing me the Lord. Oh, 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 praise the Lord, honey. That's good. You know, we got some crazy customers. It's all about the customer. All about the customer. What you need? I said, I just need this. And she did it. But I had a problem. I was so taken by her witness, I forgot to count change. Every time I get change, bank, wherever I'm at, I count it. But I didn't count it. I just put it in my pocket and I went on. Well, I met Donna. We got where we're going. I got the counter. I said, hey, I'm going to pay for this for cash. I pulled it out. Guys, I was $10 short. $10 short. Hey, I've walked through the store. I've had no hot dogs. I promise. Jesus is my witness. I hadn't spent any money. And I'm like, I'm short. Where's my money? And I said, Donna, I was just there. I came right here. And, uh, and, and I, told, I told cashier, I said, man, that's crazy. I, I got, she goes, honey, no, no. If you just did that, let me call the front desk right now, and they're going to make it right. I said, are you for real? She goes, yeah. We get up there, and the brother's like, yep, here's an idiot right here. No, he didn't do that. He goes, here it is. You got you. And I tell you what, I will spend the rest of my paycheck at Costco right now. You know what I'm saying? They, were, they had dignity. They were honored. You're like, man, you tell a crazy story. No, it matters. Do y'all believe your work matters to God? Do you believe your witness matters? It does. So we work to produce. I love that. Like, God, uh, understanding, I, I want a theology of work. I want to view my work as ministry. I want to view my work as worship to God. The video talked about that. Just write that down there somewhere in your outline today. I want to see my work, my labor as worship to my king. You got, no, no, worship is when I hold my hands up. Well, that's part of worship. But what you do, what you labor with your mind, with your heart, with your hands, with your being, that's worship to the Lord that honors him. We use our work as a platform to serve God. God assigns us different platforms, influences in our community, in our life. And that is your platform for him. And it just happens that you spend so much time at work, that's a great platform. So just ask yourself, is my platform exalting Christ, exalting me? Is Christ getting honor or is my flesh getting honor? Lord, I want to resemble you. I want to care for others. I want to transform my culture. And then look at the fourth. The gospel empowers us to work dignified. See, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for everyone who believes, first for the Gentile, or first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. The gospel means power that power resides within you and me as followers of jesus so that power comes to play that power comes out and i think about it lord when i do things is the power of christ being honored is it expressed has the gospel empowered me to work as a free person i didn't say for free i said has the gospel empowered me to work in freedom and that's what the gospel does see a lot of times i hear this what do you do for a living? You go, well, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm a college professor. I'm a mechanic. I'm a homemaker. I'm doing this. Okay, okay. That's what you do. But, you know, but we, we ask that a lot of times, and we get defined, and then somebody loses their job, and they're like, I don't have an identity. Your identity needs to be Christ. And you know, Christ is my life. 
And I do this vocation. This is how I serve. This is how I best honor him. But my identity is not that. I, I think about it so many times. It's easy. I fight it as a preacher. So much of my identity is tied up in being a pastor. And that's a noble task, and I love that. But the reality is, I'm Keith. I'm a child of God. I'm born again for Christ. I happen to pastor. That's what I do vocationally. But, you know, if, if I quit doing this tomorrow, I mean, I'm going to quit living. My vocation has to be him. You're saying, but I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an engineer. I'm a lawyer. I do this. I'm a nurse. I do whatever. That's great. That's your vocation. But who are you? I mean, you're like, Lord, I, I got to tell myself. Ephesians, let me give you a verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are what he has made us. For we are God's workmanship. For we are God's masterpiece. Do y'all believe today y'all are God's masterpieces? Do y'all believe today that you're God's masterpieces? See, I, I believe I am. And I believe you are. And you see, when you believe you're a masterpiece of the king, that you're fine, China, you treat yourself differently. You see yourself differently. Your vocation is different because, man, this is, God's, this is God's man. This is God's woman. This is God's student. This is what they look like at school. This is what they look like on the football field. This is what they look like on the basketball court. This is what they look like in life. I'm going to tell you what, that lady at Costco that day, she preached the best message to me I've heard all week. I mean, just the way she was treating that woman. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to take my flip-flop off and jet-flap the woman. You know, it was, I didn't, don't worry, I didn't hit her. But she was just being rude. Can we say rude? R-U-D-E. Yeah, it was wrong. You're saying, well, why are you getting so pompous? I've been mad in the lines before, too. I, I hope we don't show ourselves like that. Turn to the person next to you and say, you know what? You're God's masterpiece. Just turn to them and tell them, say, you're God's masterpiece. We even had people hug during that. That was awesome. They're like, you know. Somebody hit somebody. Okay, that's awesome. Right, yeah. So you are. You're God's masterpiece. Listen to this. You're God's masterpiece. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're a servant of the Most High God. And that's who God says you are. And what God says you are, that's who, who you really are. And God says, I am. I am light. I am his representative. I am his royal ambassador representing the royal court of heaven. I like that. You're like, you're not like an ambassador to me. The Bible says if you're in Christ, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. How many believe you're ambassadors for Jesus this morning? You are. If you're in Christ, you're his rep. And when Christ shows up in the office and he's in you, Christ just showed up. You're like, I don't like this, man. He didn't look too good last week. Well, this, this next week, let him shine. Let him reflect his character at home, church, school, work. Lord, help me to be in the workplace. Help me to serve your kingdom. Lord, help me to surrender to the master, the master being Jesus. Lord Jesus, you be Lord. That's practical Christianity. Lord, I want to serve you. I want my relationships to matter. Look at this uh, practical, or this 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I want you to see this verse. It's going to come up on the screen. So whether you eat or drink or work or whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. You're saying, well, I've been eating some. It's, I've been eating good for the glory of God. Well, you know, that's debatable. Okay. Well, man, I've been drinking. I've been doing this. I've been working. Are you working for God's glory? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of you can go, absolutely. When I work, when I labor, it's for the glory of Christ. I'm like, man, that's awesome. And everybody sees it and they take note. And then if you're slacking and you're not putting Christ in that, and you're not asking him to deliver you and to work his life through you and live his life and love other people and serve their needs. And it's like, man, Christ didn't look very good. Ecclesiastes is a parallel verse you can look at. Just write down Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. 
Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Colossians, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So, Lord, I just want to do it for you. I want to do it with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my being. I want it to reflect you, Jesus. This morning, I think about our worship team, and there's three of them. Man, they, they gave everything they had this morning to lead us. And our first touch are our people right now working in the nursery, people that are working next door with children. Man, they're giving all they have to bring to being right now to be Christ to some kids. Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Let's look at um, this uh, Revelations. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me give you the practical application. Fill it in. Put me to work at CCC and volunteer to make an impact and give God glory. We're coming up on Commitment Sunday, September 20th. And I was thinking about labor and work and school and all the things we do and the relationships and how critical they are. And then I thought, you know, but this is a time of the year we're asking people to re-up or to, for the first time, sign in, sign on, be an army with us, make Christ known. And I just ask you, man, would, would you go to work? Would you go to work for the master? Would you be a part of what we're doing here to help Jesus be Jesus to some adults and some teenagers and some kids and some babies and other people? We have needs and concerns all the times. We have wonderful laborers out here. Man, they're kingdom people. Man, I'm so thankful. Right now, people are laboring all over the campus. They'll labor all this month. This could be beautiful. And I just, so as I wrote that, I went, you know what? God, could you put some people to work this morning? Because some people listen to this online or somebody said, you know what? Put me to work. I, I want to I work for Christ. If I, if I sell shoes, I'm going to sell them for Christ. If I, if I serve in the nursery, I'm going to be the best. You know, wouldn't this be great if you said, you know what? I am going to be the number one nursery worker of the year. They're going to have my picture front and center when you walk in. Let me tell you, we're probably not going to have your picture front and center. But you go ahead and think that, okay? And I don't know, maybe that's what we ought to have. Nursery worker of the week. Ah, you know, we come in and celebrate and give them money. I mean, maybe that's what we need to do. I don't know. Or, man, that was number one musician, or that was number one teacher, that was the best small group leader, that was the best ditch digger we had all year. Whatever, just God, help us see it. Let me give you this. I'm going I'm, uh, I'm to ask uh, that we're going to, uh, I say team, whoever's going to come forward. I want you to hear Revelations 22.3. In Revelation 22.3, it says, In the new heavens and the new earth, God's people will continue to work. A lot of times that freaks people out there like, In heaven... I'm going to sit in heaven, and there's going to be chocolate. That's what all the women tell me. And everybody says there's are going to be grapes, and I say there's going to be cashews. And there's going to be a little private angel that's going to be assigned to me. And it's going to go, oh, Keith, how great thou art. Have another cashew. Have some chocolate. Have this. Guys, that ain't going to be it. We are going to eat in heaven. We're going to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think that's a pretty cool idea. We're going to have new celestial bodies that don't need a Fitbit. Hallelujah. They don't need diets. They don't need any of that. We're going to do those things. But we're also going to work. And the Bible is quick to say that. And it's one of the things that we're going to work with Christ. He's going to assign us things to be heirs with him. And people are like, well, I don't know, man, this work thing. But you see there, work is going to take on a whole new scope. There's going to be no fatigue. No disease, no tiredness, no attitude. It's going to be, yeah, yeah, it's just going to be glorious. And Lord, I want to work. I mean, if that's the principle of the kingdom, Lord, the, the absence of the curse is going to be gone. You see, things were going to be perfect. They were perfect in the garden until they messed up in sin. And then the curse came in and the sweat of the brow, and it became difficult. And also, women, I hate to tell you when you read the Bible, and then childbirth, you know, ended up being not so nice because of that too, you know? And you're like, yeah, I got that t-shirt. Okay. Well, here in heaven, 
work is going to be sacred. It's going to be holy at a new level. It's going to be unto the Lord. So, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toll is not in vain in the Lord. God uses you and me where he plants us. So my thought is this this morning. Christ has planted you in this community. How are you working and laboring with him, for him, for his glory? Let's pray together. Lord, I am grateful for this message. I pray that the passion of Christ would well up in every person in this room. And Lord, we love you. We give you honor this morning. Let us be like Jesus because we have come to serve notice that Jesus is Lord of our lives. If you need Christ, if you want to respond to the gospel, I'm going to be in the back of the room. I'd love to talk to you about following Jesus. I invite everybody in the room to stand to your feet and we're going to sing this marvelous song, Let It Be Jesus. And then Dave Garth is going to come right after that and give us a word of witness that we all need to hear and the service will be over and Labor Day can begin and barbecue and swimming and sweat and all the things you're going to do, okay? But let's, here, let's come back here. Let's come back to the throne and let's sing to Jesus. Let's worship him.